Don, this is a very important episode. It's so important, we don't have any puns or jokes to introduce it, but this is the episode that you have been waiting for for almost a year now. We are talking Pokemon Snap. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. It is finally here. Well, not finally here. We're still a week away. Yes. We are at the episode, our episode, before the release of new Pokemon Snap. A game, what, 20 years in the making for us? Yeah, it's, I mean, it was, I was, yeah, when did Pokemon Snap come out? Did you have that in front of you? Uh, 1999. Yeah. So 22 years. How about that? It came out, it came out March 21st. So almost 20 years in a month. It, super, I, it, it would have been cool if they had it come out on the same day. I don't think they cared that much. They should have. <laughs> but this is, this, this, it won. It's always fun to get a new, a new Pokemon game absolutely I, I have very fond memories of it because i've talked about it so many times but it's like one of those peripheral games that i felt like especially as like a little kid made like the whole whole like world of the game seem more alive because it was like you're going out on a safari and you're seeing them just out doing what they do and it's sort of like as a kid and you're going back to red and blue it sort of changed how you imagined the game no yeah i i completely agree with that did this come out when did gold and silver come out after oh but only by like a couple months yeah, November of '99 was gold. I remember the times my friends and I were like, "Oh, we're gonna get Pokemon Snap two any day because now there's new Pokemon." This is the like, this is like the rallying cry, or the, the 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 cry of a generation is finally being answered. Yeah, I'm so excited. I am also very excited for it. Uh, we Lucas and I have been streaming it this month, which has been super fun. A good amount of people have come out for the for the stream to watch us play it. We forgot uh, how short it is. Yeah, it's much. Um, I, I have it on the virtual console on my Wii U. I might have to bust it out like today or tomorrow just to get some um, get warmed up for the new one. But yeah, it's it's one of those games that you remember being much longer than it is. We we blocked out basically every Friday uh, in the month of April and to play it for like two hours, uh, two hours a night, and we beat it on the second night. So roughly four hours of gameplay. And we, we got every Pokemon. You got the signs and all that? Got, got all the signs, got all the Pokemon. The only thing we didn't get was the Balloon Pikachu. Which one's the Balloon? It's been a long time. I'm blanking on the Balloon Pikachu. You have to hit the Zubat that's carrying the Pikachu. Yes, 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 yes. That was the only one we didn't get because if you thought Zubats were annoying to catch in Pokemon Go... Just try to hit one with a pester ball. In oh, I, I have I have memories as like being a kid and working really hard to hit that Zubat. It was the most frustrating thing with the the N sixty four controller too because it was just never. Yeah, going from like almost twenty years of dual joystick gaming back to single joystick was rough. To say yeah, least. <laughs> especially for like essentially a, a first-person shooter also twitch classified pokemon snap as a first-person shooter i mean they're not wrong they're it's they are technically correct <laughs> yeah well on that note we have a lot of exciting things to talk about don so let's just jump into the news let's do it So, we have some genetic thievery and science news. Alleged genetic thievery. 
Yeah, well, I mean, are, have they been convicted of it yet? <laughs> well, it's the way you said alleged. I was like, I didn't know this was a trial for white flies. <laughs> well, they're like, isn't that the thing? They're still like, you know, saying that it's it's like hard to approve, but it's, it is a very strong hypothesis is the impression I got. Yeah, I agree. But yes, tell, tell me about these white flies. All right, so uh, the white fly, it's a, tight, it's a little pest insect. It's kind of like an aphid. I think it's in the same family. And they're a big like crop pest. Mm-hmm. And they found now that they uh, the white flies appear to have stolen a uh, a gene that's in a lot of plants that caused them to produce a like uh, noxious or toxic defense um, was it enzyme I think it was basically a defense against pests eating it and and something that would neutralize it for the pest phenolic uh, glycosides is what they are yes they um so but the fly by sort of like adopting this protein or uh, this gene from the plant is now able to just Basically, it's just immune to that compound. Which and that and that lets it eat all the crops at once. Yes. My favorite bit in this article is it basically sounds like an arms race between the pests and the plants. It really is. You remember that that line from Batman Begins with Gordon at the end of the movie? Oh, he's like, oh yeah, when he's talking about the escalation. Yeah, yeah, that's I, that's I imagine I'm imagining that conversation, but with like we use polyphenolglycosides. You steal our genes. You steal our genes. Uh, no, but this, it's it's pretty. It, I I thought this was an interesting story just to kind of show how the world reacts to each other. You know. Yeah, and one thing that's crazy about this is it's not like I mean because we have stuff like uh, New De Bronx will you know sort of steal the nematocysts and the tentacles from a seen enemy to defend themselves, but they're not like incorporating that animal into like its dna itself yeah it's pretty that's pretty that's pretty cool and it sounds it looks like based on what from what i was reading in the article it sounded like it they they were saying that this happened a long time ago this is not a new thing yeah no it sounds like i mean i think white flies have been like a problematic pest insect probably because of this ability so they are they are they are sneaky little flies but that's it it's not new so don't freak out everybody it didn't like it's not a new thing that just happened yeah because that'd be kind of scary that would be that would be terrifying so then let's go right into uh pokemon news Don, we've got a couple a couple fun and exciting things yep first uh i guess we'll, we'll cover trading card games did this i saw this on the show notes you've got to tell me about this because i am in the dark i actually i mentioned it not too long ago when they said they were going to stop printing them but so I'm calling this the death of the the final death of fairy cards. So a lot basically back with uh, Sword and Shield, they announced that or the Sword and Shield cards, they announced that they were going to stop printing fairy types. Not that they wouldn't like print fairy types, but that they just wouldn't be fairy typed in the card game. So do um like fairy types like so like if they're a an only a fairy type, they would be like a colorless instead, or how would that? No, they would be like uh, I think I think Sylveon in the game is uh, a psychic type. Okay, so yeah, it's just sort of how they slammed poison and ghost and psychic all together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like Ghastly is a is a psychic type. Yeah, I- I'm tracking now. Yeah, so even though Ghastly wrecks psychic types, not in the first game. Uh, okay, that's fair. Uh, but the uh, but like Dragapult psychic type so there the rotation is coming up i think it's july july or august but with this rotation it is going to be cards from base set sword and shield on which means fairy cards will no longer be viable in standard play so up to this point you still if you had a deck that used fairy cards you were still able to use them in standard but not after this rotation so it is the official death of fairies. official death of the fairies 
in standard because then again you can also still use it in expanded or legacy and all that kind of stuff okay and so was fairy the was fairy was also the most recent type to be added right or was dragon after is this the first time a type's been like stricken yes 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 that's what i thought i was trying to think if there was ever like bug cards or anything but yeah no because they have always been um bug has always been grass yeah no i just meant like if there was like any other weird type they made into a card for a minute and then gave up on no and because like steel is also still around is around and going strong and say is dark it was like one of the og added yeah 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 dark is also in there but yeah so that was so so bye bye to all the special fairy cards and then in pokemon go uh we had rivals week so you finally got your uh your pistol shrimp very excited we also got skrill who i also really like it was a good it was a a good one-two punch i was pumped because with rivals week i was able to complete my stupid community december community day research because i didn't finish it on the day and i had to catch 15 electabuzzes and 15 magmars oh that's unfun and they disappeared after Community Day, and so they came back for Rivals Week, and I managed to knock it out and be done with it. But we got those in the game, and then we got another new one because we're currently in Sustainability Week, the Sustainability Week event, and that's the oh, I keep wanting to say Bibarel. What is it again? Bar Barnacle, because it's a barbarian barnacle. Well, not the bait, not the the small form. Binacle, because it's two barnacles. Yes, it's so very it's very wise and clever naming convention. So there's Binacle and Barber. I keep saying Barbaracle. Yeah, in my mind, I mean, I don't know if there's even really an end. I call it Barbarnacle because it's a barbarian barnacle, and I just stand by that. Barnacle, yeah. Well, that one, because that's what, rock fighting? They're both rock water. Rock water, okay, okay. Yeah, because they get shell smashing. They do the that thing that every rock water type does. Oh, fun barnacle fact for everyone. They are uh, much more closely related to crabs and insects than they are to, like, clams. So even they're they're a little shelly boy, they're not clams or oysters. So always sunny lied to you. Well, where you're getting your science facts from? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. I mean, maybe. <laughs> uh, so we have Friendship Day coming up. Yay, friends! Uh, that is the twenty fourth, so this Saturday. Um, and that's just there's going to be a lot of grass types popping up. No new Pokemon from what I can see. The, the add-ons uh, for the event is that trade distance will be 40 kilometers, which is very nice. And it's an increased chance of getting a lucky Pokemon. What's the usual trade distance? I think it's, with Pandemic, I think it's like 10 kilometers. Yeah, I've played this game consistently since before it was out in America, and I still am so, like, unknowledgeable about almost every aspect of it. 40 kilometers is nice because I'm in a lot of, like, the Discord groups for uh, for my city. And right. I can, like, trade with whoever I want and not leave my house. Yeah, that's very nice. But the – I will say they, they have altered one aspect of this, and it's worth mentioning. So there is a collection challenge that the reward – they've upped the experience reward from 100,000 to 175,000 experience. And so if you use a lucky egg, that is – 350,000 experience, which if you're like me and stuck in the 40s for levels, getting that much experience for, you know, that quickly is Is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you, if you complete it, make sure you pop a lucky egg before you actually uh, turn in the, turn in the collection. So Don, we'll turn Pokemon news to you. You have a special, a special update. Yeah. I mean, it's 
still still a ways to go into it, but I did successfully manage to actually qualify this time for Players Cup four after my not so great showing for Players Cup three. Definitely like a bit of a slog through the IC. I think it took me like forty games to get to where I knew I'd be safe, but the team was fun. What, what were you running? It was a lucky Zashin, Charizard, Torkoal. Were you running sub Zashian? Yes, sub Zashian. Um, oh yeah, Dragapult in DD. Yes. So um, it was it was it was a fun team. It was mainly just a matter of um, bring Charizard and get your get your G Max up early and do big damage, um, and then have Zashin mop up. Or it was um, in DD Dragapult set up Dragapult and go. Have my Zashin be one point slower than my Dragapult, so you can. Max Phantasm things for Zashin to like extra kill. Him. Was your Eloki support or was it your wreck face? It was sort of um a late game. It, you know, it was just your standard focus sash, three attack protect set. Um, it was mainly like it actually did a lot of late game cleaning work. Um, it's main potential actually to help my rain matchup, but I every rain team I fought was Trick Room Kyogre stuff for the most part, which was really annoying. I did fight some cool stuff, fought an Absol team that was kind of neat. Mm, I saw a lot of Absols. Uh, uh, Absol, I, I, did... I think, was the highest. Also, like, or, uh, yeah, someone else who's an Absol would do really well. Yeah. Um, this one was like some. Uh, this one Max though. The, I can't think remember who did it, but they had another Absol that was a crit abuse set. Yeah. Because Super Luck Razor Claw plus a crit move like Stone Edge or Night Slash always crit, mm-hmm. so you can do nutty stuff through screens. I'm always glad to see uh, like random mons like that pop up for their time in the sun. Yeah, it was a really part. It was a really nice use of it. It was a good um, sorry, can't think of the word. For, um, good, good tech bring. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's good. So you'll keep us updated. You're still, you're not sure if you're going to stream or just record at this point, right? So I'm def. I'll definitely be recording. Okay. The only question, like concern, I have is uh. If I get time to figure out how to stream things and then hide my screen and then I'll hide my screen really fast for a good viewing experience. Yeah. But other than that, that'll be my, uh, that'll probably be the make or break. Either way, I'll post the matches later if I do end up just recording. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of stream, we have our, our, our final pre Pokemon Snap stream this Friday. Obviously, like I said, we beat it. So we've been playing Pokemon Stadium. And that was a disaster last week because I did the the Kanto Gym lineup. And I'm going to be honest, I thought I was just going to run through it. Um, I got walled hard by Misty and her Starmie. Dude, if I remember right, I think Pokemon Stadium used the OG, like, mechanics where, like, crits were based off speed and stuff. And, like, there was, like, just the special stat. So Starmie's just an absolute monster. Well, and it just thunder-waving me into the ground. Tried and true competitive strategy right there, though. Um, and then also, and then the other problem is that I was using rental teams because obviously I don't have my my Game Boy game to import, you know. Um, so all the mons I was using had the weirdest move sets. Oh yeah, Gen One rental teams are a, a sight to behold. Like someone clipped it on on my channel, but I had a Zapdos almost lose to a Jigglypuff because my accuracy had been shot and I kept missing thunders on the Jigglypuff. Oh my god! Uh, but it was like the only like it was that or Sky Attack, and Sky Attack being two turn, I just couldn't give up the turns at that point. Uh, right. But no, yeah, Misty was was very very rough, but. If it goes better, maybe we'll beat the Kanto Gym people on Friday. Uh, we will be starting at a later time. So we've usually been starting at 9 o'clock. 
Friday, there's Friday, uh, the 23rd. We will be starting at 10 o'clock. And uh, we'll, we usually go for two hours. We'll kind of see, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can keep going till, till midnight. Uh, but if you want to come out and watch it, uh, my Twitch is Prickles and Thorns. Lucas has been putting it in the show notes. Uh, so we have that this week. And then next week, back at the 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be streaming new Pokemon Snap. I'm so excited. So, and 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 I think it's going to be a blast. So if you don't want to come out for this one, by all means, please come out for the new Pokemon Snap. We have been so excited for this game to come out. I will be playing. Lucas will be there. Either way, this Friday at 10, Friday the 30th, new Pokemon Snap, 9 p.m. It's going to be great. So, on that, Don, let's get into Pokemon Snap. Let's get into it. All right, so this episode we wanted to talk about photography. And obviously with Pokemon Snap specifically, we're talking like wildlife photography, right? Right. I thought to start, we could give a little bit of a very quick and dirty intro to photography for any of our listeners who might not be familiar with it and some of the the language that's associated with it. So I love it. I think it's great to, to talk about and, and, and really dig into. Don, have you delved into photography at all? Um, I took, I have a very small amount of personal experience. I took my first class I took freshman year of college was a pinhole photography class where we made our own little pinhole cameras and developed our film and did all that stuff. That was in 2012, so I can't say I remember every aspect of it, but it was a lot of fun. And I think I did it one or two more times after that. Yeah, I will say I like I am a video person at heart and, and shooting for video and shooting for, for photo are different. Uh, like different different characteristics but some of the the like overarching themes are related but like when I'm going on to shoot with other photographers we are trying to accomplish similar things but not the same uh, just because of what we are trying to do and so when composing your image one of the things that you are going to hear a lot especially you take any intro photography class I probably have mentioned it on the podcast before you're gonna hear the rule of thirds I remember discussing it. It's like um, dividing the photo into thirds, basically, right? Is kind of what it boils down to. Basically, draw draw a tic tac toe board on on your photo, and and you're, so you're cutting it into thirds vertically and horizontally, and that is a basically a kind a, a little bit of a guide for how to think about composing your photo. You have those intersection points on the grid. And those intersection points are typically where you see subjects composed uh, on the photo. So if you watch a lot of TV or if you look at a lot of photos, t- or like TV in particular, you will see the, pe- the, the subject's eyes are almost always on the upper third intersection point, whether on the right or the left, kind of off to the side, leaving a lot of leading room. And, and that's just, it's a very nice composed way to, to make an image. It's one that's comfortable with the leading space. You're not making the image feel cramped. There's room for, there's space for them to kind of look into. The the vertical lines that you see um, typically are, are where the, the person in those images will be lined up on because of that leading space that you want to give your subject. And the horizontal lines in nature, wildlife photography, that's around where you want to, uh, where you'll see horizon lines put because there's a, a desire to not have the horizon cutting the image in half, like straight down the middle. 
one of my teachers always said that it's important to know the rules so that you know why you're breaking them because just about any of the the quote unquote rules in photography has ways that it can be broken um so you can like i talked about giving them leading room but if you want to make your subject matter feel trapped then you might put them in the front third uh so they basically don't have that space they they're basically right up against the border of the of the photo and that that makes a lot of sense it, it gives that kind of trap sense so there's a reason to do things moving into the the technical side of the camera we have one of the uh one of the most important aspects to consider is the aperture or the f-stop you are using when taking a photo and essentially this is just the amount of light that you are letting through the lens uh proper exposure is vital to a well-composed image the aperture the f-stop you're using also has a huge impact on the depth of field of the photo that you are composing so low f-stops uh think of something a number like f28 or f2.8 let a ton of light in like that is your iris almost completely open and they will have a very shallow depth of field and so with a shallow depth of field you get some stunning separation between your subject matter in the background and the foreground um you can get some really nice bokeh which is like do you ever see like um uh, a light in a photo that's kind of got that um fuzzy diffusion like it looks like a little glowy fuzzball yes that's bokeh oh i thought that Uh, was ghosts and that's (laughs) it might be ghosts uh but that's that's the uh that's that's because of depth of field is is why you're getting that and so you can get some really really nice uh imagery that way now if you get into high f-stops a lot of the lenses i have go up to like f22 uh, that's when the iris starts contracting and it gets really, really small and you're letting a lot less light in. Now, what that gives you is a, a larger depth of field. So more of your image is going to be in focus. Uh, one of the ways this can affect the photo is that it gives you a lot, a lot more room for error on moving subjects. Because right. uh, at like F2 weight in interviews, someone rocking in their chair just subtly can be moving them in and out of focus. So you have to be really tight on that. But at the higher ones, especially when dealing with like wild animals, uh, you have a lot more flexibility. Right, since that makes sense. You're letting less light in and animal, a, a lot of animals are active around what, dusk and dawn when there's not a lot of light. Crepuscular, yes. And so you don't have as much control over the lighting. And so using a really high f-stop, you might not get the proper exposure for the image that you're trying to capture. So it's all about what you're trying to get, what you're trying to achieve. Shutter speed is uh, basically how long the sensor on the camera is exposed to the light. And so that's basically like the clicking noise when you take the photo. If you're using a slow shutter speed, that's when you get like the the camera will be like... You know, like there's that that lag time between the two clicks, uh, and that a slow shutter speed is really good for capturing motion blur. It allows the photo to have that sense of movement in it because you have the blur of the person moving. High shutter speeds, on the other end, go really quickly and they kind of freeze a moment in time. That's really good for something like sports, uh, which is good because Fast shutter speeds need a lot of light, 
and sports are typically broad daylight or with giant lights blasting down on top of them. Right. So getting into wildlife photography, Don, I admittedly have not done wildlife photography beyond walking trails and taking photos of the squirrels and the bunnies that, that come. But what I do know, and, and one thing that Lucas wanted uh, us to talk about, especially is um, eth the, the ethics of this practice, because you are, or the photographer in these situations is going into these animals' habitats. It's going into their homes and, you know, moving around and being there. And it's important, the practice is important because this is how a good majority of the population is going to interact with these animals. Wildlife photography is a way for people to engage with this world that they are not familiar with, that they don't get to see uh, in an everyday life. And it helps in the sense that it calls attention to these animals. It helps preserve them and their environments because it helps get people to identify with and care about the animals and their environments. In doing so, it is important to have a good sense of ethics when involved in, the, in this practice. So one of the ones that Lucas likes to say a lot is do no harm. Uh, and this go relates to both animals and the environments. Uh, so it's very bad if to get your shot that you want of this animal to tear up the, the environment that it's, that it's in for framing and imagery purposes. There's um, been issues in Florida before where you know, trying to get pictures of things like sea turtles, people cross sand dunes, which are not as exotic or exciting as sea turtles, but are like very delicate ecosystems, like the sand dunes along the edge of beaches. Um, so it's like something like that where it's great to go join, appreciate nature and take some photos to take it back to remember with you. But it's really important to think about sort of even just where your feet are at all times while you're trying to set that shot up. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that's one of the things that, that, you know, we want to stress is to really familiarize yourself, not only with the animals that you want to be photo uh, photographing, but also the environments that you're going to be in and the animals that are in there. One for safety purposes, because this is a, uh, this is a wild environment that you are going into. And so if you're going to photograph some kind of bird, it's important to know if there's bears in that same environment. <laughs> Yes. Um, so, so for your own safety, it's important, but also for the safety of the animals and the environment, it is important. It is also important uh, to or to be mindful uh, when it's breeding season. So, photographers' presence could drive uh, the parent away from the nest. It could potentially destroy the nest or disturb the nest. It could expose the the babies to predators. Um, it could you could also potentially interrupt copulation which is not good as well, uh, and, and the animals would run away. So just being mindful of, of when you're going in. Yes. Now, and then in a lot of these, uh, especially this might not relate to just kind of your, your average everyday person going out to take nature photographs, but on the more professional side, you will be, uh, potentially you will be going to uh, countries and cultures that are not your own. It is important to be respectful of the cultures and also to know the laws of the area that you're going into so that you can abide by them uh, and, and not do things that you're not supposed to do and get in trouble or, or insult any of the people in the area that you're going into. The, the last one that I want to mention here, uh, Lucas has talked about it before, Don, I'm sure you can shed some light on it as well, but do not feed the animals. Yeah, um, definitely don't for a lot of reasons. Mainly it's you're habituating them to like a human's presence 
um, which can you cause animals to be attracted to roadways or places like that where you run into conflicts or be injured that way. And with certain animals, you know, bears, alligators, big stuff. Um, with they once they start to associate people with food, they kind of get a little miffed when there is no food. Um, when they come over there, and that's not really a situation you want to be in. A lot of times, it ends with the animal having to be put down. Yeah, and then you also run the risk of someone getting you know potentially attacked or injured. That makes angry bear. Yes. We don't like angry. I, I like bears. Oh, bears are awesome. I love seeing bears. I've actually never seen a bear. Uh But I love them. I know. Yeah. I used to live um, a little more in the middle of the state in uh, Longwood, Florida. I lived across the street from a really nice state park, actually. Shout out to Acaba Springs. But we would have bears in our yard like once or twice a week. Just, I mean, just black Florida black bears, which aren't a particularly strapping for a bear, but they're still pretty big. I, I was at a, res- a wheat research station, and the uh, the guy running it was telling me about how he'll just be like driving along the fields and then you'll see these little black bear heads pop up from inside the fields because they're just chowing down on the wheat. Oh yeah, I believe that. But yes, so that is, uh, that's our, our, our quick and dirty photo talk. So if you're going to do this again, just always, always keep in mind, do no harm. You can't go wrong if you, you can't go wrong if you're keeping that to heart. And definitely do your research. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, I'll use Florida as an example since we have a lot of cool birds here. Um, the Rosiette Spoonbill's personal favorite of mine. And like, if you go somewhere to take a photo of something like that, definitely do your just due diligence. Someone else lives there just also for the sake of your own enjoyment. I mean, there's so many other like awesome animals and places that are, might not be the one you went to photograph, but you might get to see some other, you know, maybe you wouldn't notice the skink on the log where you're looking up in the tree, but it might yeah. be a pretty cool lizard. The, I mean, the other issue that we talk about that we didn't really touch on because, uh, is photographing endangered species. Yes, turn your geotags off. <laughs> yes, because if your geotag is not off, that's logging the, the the geographical information, and poachers can use that to find the animals. Yeah, a friend of mine went to a uh, it was years ago, a few years ago. I remember he went to I'm blanking how much country he went on. You know, safari sort of classic safari tour in Africa, and I mean they specifically told everyone to you know like they like had them show them their phones to show that the location services was off and all that. Yes, yes. That is, that is also a very, very important point to touch on. So, after that, let's get into the game, Don. Let's do it. So, we are going to focus on OG Pokemon Snap, which, after refreshing myself with our recent playthrough, I have quite a few issues with, Don. Yeah, I, I played it. I should have should start replay now. I was trying to make myself wait as long as possible due to the like, the how short the game is. Yeah. Um. But I played last time I played it was like a year or two ago. And I do remember bits and pieces. I remember most of it. You can probably knock it out before the thirtieth. Oh yeah, for sure. I have issues both technically, like photography wise, and then also ethically with all the stuff we just talked about. So we'll start with the technical side. I understand programming wise why nineteen ninety nine they may have been limited. However, there is almost no openness for artistic expression in this game because every photo is evaluated with the exact same criteria. Yep. Uh, And you could make a case that Professor Oak is the client in this situation and he is, while he's not paying you, 
you are doing the work for him, so you are trying to get him the images. Yeah, you're like his, he, are you his intern? What's the, what's your character's job exactly? I forget what they say. It's basically unpaid intern. <laughs> yeah, it just, you fail Pokemon college if you don't do this for Oak. Yeah. Uh, but, so he's essentially the client, so you need to get him the photos that he likes. Now, Oak in this game. Wait, is the character, the character in Snap, wasn't there a, uh, Pokemon photographer in one of the early seasons? Did he look similar to the Pokemon Snap guy? I am not sure. Maybe. In my mind, he does. What's his name? Is it Tracy? Is that the guy? Uh, I honestly have no idea. No, I'm wrong. The official... Um, there's another character named Todd Snap that I believe is supposed to be the official main character of Pokemon Snap. Oh, so that's, that's so, that's so weird name. because we named our character Todd with three Ds. Well, that's his name. According to Bulbapedia. Tracy, oh, so Tracy wasn't a photographer. He was a drawer. His name was uh... Tracy Sketchit. Okay. Tr wow. That's the name. All right. Um, I like Todd Snap better. <laughs> Todd, Todd Snap. <laughs> well, as you're saying, in this game, the things that Professor Oak likes is he likes the creatures basically like right up in your face, basically filling the entire image and dead center. I just remember his voice going, hmm, yes, wonderful. Wonderful. But Professor Oak does not abide by the rule of thirds at all. He wants things dead center. He wants as many creatures thrown into the photo as possible. Uh, and, and he has arbitrary rules for, for poses that I still don't really understand. Yeah, okay. Well, outside of the poses part, I do have a theory. Okay. So, I mean, if you're looking for um, artistic expression in a photo... You want, you know, rules of thirds and all that. But what if he's trying to have you catalog specimens? So wouldn't you want them just nice front and center, good detail up and close? I mean... And then if you have other species in the shot, it shows potential hints at interaction. You're not wrong, but... I'm if, reading way too much into this, I'm aware. But, but, if the, but, but counter is I had a photo of Vulpix that was just its butt... And it got a higher score than a Pikachu that was facing the camera and was slightly off to the center and a little bit smaller. Fair enough. So you're you're maybe right. that 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 could play into it, yes. And and Oak is not so much about the artistic expression of the photo, but that's what I'm looking for, and it bothered me. Uh, um, now the one thing we there we will probably not have much debate on is how ethically there are some serious question marks in this game. So. If, do you remember, Don, what is the first item Professor Oak gives you? Is it the apple? Yes and no. So it is that, by by the game's definition, it is apple-shaped Pokemon food. Oh, that's right. But yes, he gives you food, which basically throws into question the entire thing you just talked about, about feeding the wild animals. Yeah, don't do it. In the game, you can feed the animals. Basically, you can, like lead pikachu to a surfboard to make it surf you can but like one of the things that's the problem is like i ran over so many electabuzzes because they were eating apples on the track yeah i forgot they just kind of yeah they could have just had some i yeah they could have just gotten like more of an elevated railway system i feel like would have been a much more uh oh we also didn't even talk about the fact that you're driving a vehicle through the habitat yeah it was all through it uh and then that's not even talking about the because you're on tracks about the construction that had to go into place to put the tracks there. And you're blowing up parts of it. Yeah. So the food, feeding the wild animals, just go, throws in the face of everything that you covered so well in the, the previous segment. Now, the second item that you get is the pester ball, which is essentially pepper, pe like it's a pepper ball. 
when when he gives it to you, he says, "Please use this to drive animal or drive Pokemon out of their habitats." Yeah. Which is like so messed that like in the beach level, you see some rustling in the bushes and you're encouraged to throw pepper balls in there to drive a scyther out. Which, I don't know, why would you want to tick off a scyther? Todd Snap's a mad, mad man. Todd Snap is crazy. Uh, But then like, you're also like, you're throwing them at Meowths. Like, you're you're just cruising through, chucking as many apples as you can, getting as many of these creatures up close and personal to a moving vehicle, and then throwing pepper balls in their face. Yeah, Todd Snap's a mad lad. I will say though that that using the the pepper using the pepper ball for the Porygons in the uh, in the river level was actually pretty cool though. That was actually really exciting. It looks like the character's still in. I'm looking at the new trailer. Oh, now he's in some sort of. Oh, he can shrink. Can it? Never mind. He's teleported. Oh, so now okay. it's got like digital tracks, which I guess is better. Yeah. But it's I... still he's still driving a space pod. We'll have to see how that goes into play. I just can't get over the fact that they gave this 10-year-old access to a car slash boat slash spaceship. Well, it's on a track, right? Yeah. I guess a, tr- a trolley slash boat slash spaceship. Yeah. If, you're, if, you're ta- if we're talking about like messing with, with environments and habitats, in, in one level, you drive squirtles out of the water by hitting them with pester balls so that later on in the level you can hit a squirtle with another pester ball so that it flies into and strikes a manky in the face. I remember this. So that then the manky gets knocked off a cliff, rolls down a mountain, and then while it is very justifiably angry at you, you hit it with a pester ball to knock it back onto a switch so that you can get access to a new area. I remember the first time I saw someone do that as a child and my mind was just blown that that was an interaction like there was so many steps in my mind it was so complicated yeah well the, the, honestly the most complicated one was the magikarp yes you had to you had to knock the magikarp out of the water so that a manky kicked it halfway across the map so that you could hit it with a with a pester ball into a waterfall so it could become a gyarados you, you gotta oh so in the new trailer i see that the apples are now called fluff fruit but still look exactly like an apple yes but i'm so, glad i'm glad they actually tried but they could have just made it look like something else or just had it, you know... Be an apple? Be an apple. The Oh, and then there's just so many, like, interactions that the game has you forced that is like, this is not, not okay. Like, like forcing Pokemon to evolve. Yeah, a lot of times. <laughs> like, like you, knock, you, like, you knock Charmeleon into the fire to become a Charizard. You knock Weeping Bell into the water to become a Victory Bell. The game has you encourage Pokemon on Pokemon violence because... You get more points for antagonizing Magmars to fight each other. Yeah, you're like the worst kind of photographer. It's like that guy a few years ago that always have like wolves and bears fighting, and then it turned out that he would like trap them in a big fence or something. It's like yeah. that. Yeah, it's 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 bad. Like you at one point you uh you lure a Charmander near a Magmar and the Magmar breathes fire on it so that it becomes a Charmeleon. But like it's very messed up. It was like murdering that poor Charmander. Yeah. At the end of the day, I've like after all those things we said that are wrong with it, it's still a fun game. Yeah, oh absolutely. I still I still just get very frustrated with the um with with the with the photography aspects of it because 
again, for the scientific purposes, I can understand why you would have the photos be the way that they are. But me, as a person enjoying the game and taking photos for the fun of it, at the end, going back into my album and looking at photos, you know, I think there's like 60 Pokemon. And looking at 60 photographs that are composed almost exactly the same. Identical. Is not that exciting. To me, at least. Oh, we also got, Don, we didn't even talk about the polka flute. Oh, how you're disrupting important hibernation cycles? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, you wake Snorlax up out of its slumber to dance for you. Yeah. Uh, also, that Snorlax was very wonky looking, but that's for a different, that's for a different time. But also, if you play the music for Pikachu, it sends out Thundershocks. Yes. Don't you, you hatch Articuno too with it, right? Yeah. Or Zapdos. Well, both. So Zap- Pikachu zaps Arti- Zapdos that make it hatch. Yes. And then and Jinx dances for Articuno? Yes, exactly. And so but like Pikachu, he's sometimes he's right up on your your vehicle and getting him to send out those thundershocks is dangerous for you as a photographer. You think about all those times Ash got electrocuted by Pikachu and that's basically you just trying to get like the good shot and it's not good. So, Don I think we have hit on all the things that I wanted to talk about on on the game Snap and and what I uh, and what I want to talk about. Is there anything you wanted to, to hit on with Snap? Not really. I feel like I kind of talked talked about it a little bit earlier, sort of how it at least for me as like a kid because I just made the game feel more alive. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking at the the most recent trailer from like April fifteenth on YouTube as we speak right now, and it looks it looks like it's got a lot more features. Um, it's got like theater mode and stuff, and you can title things, memeify your photos. Yeah, I'm sure, well, yeah, the uh, the switch has like the share feature, or whatever, too. I think so. That's kind of cool. Um, you have various orbs you can still launch at Pokemon, but they seem to be less mean. I'm seeing representatives of like every generation, which is really cool. Yeah, I think every gen has a, at least one in the trailer. Yeah, I am wondering how many will uh, like how many Pokemon will have in the game total. I don't think we have a count, do we? No, there's no official count yet. How, how, how many would you hope for? Let, let me hear your uh, let's hear your prediction. Okay, so in the first Pokemon Snap, we had roughly 40% of the Pokemon. Yes. And that scene, and then what, what's our current decks up to? 980. So we'd be looking at a lot of Pokemon. So if we were to keep that same ratio, we would have 392 Pokemon in new Pokemon Snap. I did just Google this, and I'm fine seeing one thing that's saying uh, around 200. That I was going to say that that 200 seems it seems fair. I think um, I actually would probably lean like 250, but yeah. I, one thing that I I think that the original Snap had that was was interesting that that could also help it is that you don't necessarily need all the Pokemon from a specific tree to be represented. So right. like there was Weeping Bell and Victory Bell, but no Bell Sprout. Yeah. Uh, and so you can cut out some some excess that way to get more more Pokemon in throughout the game. Uh, I hope that there is good legendaries and mythical representation. So we we have seen Celebi and Lugia. Yes. Um, I saw. And so um sounds like we might have uh, the gender variants. Uh, Potentially different forms. Shinies would be awesome. Shinies would be cool. Um, so I found right here, at least according to this, um, 115 out of the 200 plus have been cataloged by Cerebi, just like going through the different trailers. So I don't know if we'll get Shinies or not, but that'd be pretty awesome. Shinies would be cool. Although getting like the ratio for them to come out would be 
would be very oh, it would be i would honestly that would be kind of a cool shine like shiny hunting channel thing shiny, to do shiny hunting snap yeah i think the the feature that i am actually that i really like the addition of is the ability to go into the same zone at different times of day yeah i think that's that really opens um opens a lot of like avenues for them like i'd say yeah. like so you can probably you know partially reuse assets mm-hmm. um but like kind of make them richer in the same way without having to like I'd rather I'd rather have you know, ten or fifteen like ten really really cool levels than like thirty that seem like they need to be fleshed out more. Yeah, well, and it also it, it, it deals with that immersion factor that you talked about because you know it, it's getting Pokemon that are more nocturnal out like like Noctowl or or Hootoot, you know. Yeah, which we see in the trailer. Yeah, exactly, getting them out, but also it it comes into oh the underwater mode seems sweet. Oh yeah, getting all getting all the way underwater versus trying to get the fish to jump out of the water. Yeah. So you don't have the flying shelters and cloisters. You're basically doing what they did way back in like the Jacques Cousteau days. They would just toss some dynamite like in a, in the ocean. Yeah. And they it, just take take pictures of all the cool fish they found. Lucas actually sent me a video of of a whale video that was filmed over the course of a year where they wanted yeah. to film like what happens with the whale corpse after it dies and the oh one of the uh, like the whale fall things. Yeah, 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 yeah whale fall. And these people basically drove a sub down, like it sounded like every day for a year to video like what was happening to the whale's corpse. Uh-huh. And, That's and awesome. When it initially happened, it was just getting mangled by all these sharks. Yeah. And the the sub was also getting attacked by sharks because they were stumbling into like the feeding grounds. Right. Yeah. I, I hope we. I did. I know we see Lantern and Chin Chow in the trailer, mm-hmm. which makes me get really excited because like it'd be cool to have. I just hope my boy Relly Canth made it. I'm I'm guessing if we're going underwater, I feel like you can't do underwater and not have Kyogre. So I feel like we're gonna get Kyogre, Groudon, and uh... well, it'd be cool if we had some. So if we so we know we have, I believe Lugia and uh, Celebi are the only two I've heard about. And, and by that, I would make a safe assumption that you also have Ho. Yeah, I would like though. I think it'd be cool to get if we could get like one legendary from each game would be pretty sweet. I and then well. It'd be interesting to see if they bring in the the, the legendary dogs. Yeah, they got them sneaking around. Wouldn't it be cool if they could show up in any zone? Yeah, and you're, rather than just having like an egg in one zone that you do something to. Yeah. I, I've got some high hopes for this game, so I, I hope it's going to deliver. Yeah, I think too the different daytimes, like, I think it's going to change the replayability a lot. Because like, every time you go through it, you want to go through it at least a couple more times to make sure you didn't miss anything. It just adds more layers to that. And it's going to affect the way you take the photo, because sunlight and moonlight are different. Well, technically, they're not. Technically, moonlight is just sunlight reflected off the moon. But. Yes, but looks different. <laughs> looks, looks different. All right, Don. Well, let's head to the wrap up. Yep. Okay, Don, we are seven days away from new Pokemon Snap. Seven days. That's a good ring reference for everyone out there if you want a good scary movie. Completely unrelated. (laughs) Kids, ask your parents first. Speaking of movies, Don, we need an update. I can't remember if we talked about it on a recording or a Patreon recording. Godzilla vs. Kong? Well, no, I I was going to say something else, but Godzilla vs. Kong... Give me your thoughts. So yeah, I, you've seen it as yes. well, I assume? Okay, I've seen yes. It. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad that they didn't nerf the one true king. Yeah. Um, because he's the man. And it was gonna be a travesty if they robbed Big G. 
I was just glad that they made true and that there was a clear and definitive winner in the fight between the two of them. Actually, yeah, I, I'm almost happier that that part was there than strictly that like the right one won because yeah. that really was yeah it was like uh, yeah it was um it was great it was just a really fun movie I highly recommend everyone watches it without giving too many spoilers even though we kind of just spoiled some but it, the the plots are relevant it's big monsters guys they're smashing it's awesome yeah it's great it's good fun the other one that I wanted to touch on Don is the the movie that we talked way too much about before which is Reign of Fire. <laughs> Yeah, I told I told all my roommates about it. They haven't seen it because the only guy I watched it with has moved. Um, so we're stoked. Is it May? Uh, yes. It, so in May, Reign of Fire is getting added to Prime Video. I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before. If for if in case we hadn't, uh, or if there's people who had not listened to that episode, basically it's Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey, and Gerard Butler. In a, isn't someone else in it too? Potentially, there's some some names in it. But it's those it's that crew fighting dragons in the future. In a post-apocalyptic world. A post-apocalyptic future where dragons have almost exterminated the human race. And they're fighting them with, like, bows and arrows and axes. And they also skydive out of a helicopter. It is a wild, wild ride of a movie. It's so much fun. And the way they uh, sort of justify the dragon apocalypse was, like, they really could have said anything and it would have been cool. Yeah, but the way they sort of did it made it kind of make sense. Uh, was pretty great. So, well, on on that note, uh, we'll we'll wrap this episode up. So, thank you again for lending us your time and and being a part of our community. One of the ways you can help support uh, support the show and help us con- to continue to grow is to leave a review uh, in, in your podcasting app of choice. It helps other people find the show. Uh, and, and we just want to keep growing what we've been growing. So uh, that, that that is very helpful for, for all of us. Um, so thank you. very. You can also tell us what you're liking about what you're doing, if there's things that, that we could be potentially doing better. Uh, a lot of people have been leaving us show recommendations, and we love seeing those. We've been trying to get as many in as we can. So thank you all very much for, for listening. And, and if you leave a review, thank you for that. If you can, come out for the, the Friday streams again. Uh, the, the handle is prickles and thorns. Uh, it'll be in the show notes and Friday, the 23rd will be at, at 10 PM. And then 30th, we have new Pokemon snap will be at 9 PM Eastern standard time. So come on out for that. It should be a lot of fun. We're very excited for this game. Absolutely. Thank you guys again for listening. Thank you. Have a good day or night. See you next time.